looking at you, kid. You're going to need a bigger boat. Right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my cross. I'll have what she's had. Boss will be with you. Always. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Earlier this week, saw a video. So I want to ask you guys, greatest mob movie of all time. Uh, wait, us? Yeah. Oh, is that not? No one explained this to me. Hit the music. <laughs> you gave me the most baseline explanation. I about did. I, I did. I, I said one way. Most of you were like, is at the end, say, hit the music. Hey, everybody. This is Matt. <laughs> when, yeah, no, Matt gave us an intro because I was too lazy to do it myself. This is Gone with the Wind, the show about award shows that we talk about, you guessed it, award shows. Because award shows are canceled, we're putting that on pause and just kind of talking about whatever comes into our minds um, at this point now that's related to movies in some half-hearted way. Uh, we have a special guest, as you heard beforehand. We have Matt Kearns. Hi. Manning didn't explain the intro to me, so that's what you got. Didn't make a farce out of it, even though I easily could have. But for whatever reason, this is the one show that I treat with respect the few times, and I, I do do meet a few times that I'm invited out here. But I get it; it's because I don't have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> it is a it is a prerequisite. <laughs> it is even Abe is growing something there, so you know what? <laughs> all right, I just shaved earlier in the week. All right, I was growing a quarantine beard and my hair out all along. Which is going to be my next question. Uh, how is the quarantine beard? I'm going to ask each of y'all. Uh, how is the quarantine beard going first, Matt? I just told you it was going fine until I shaved it. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Uh, and we also have Malcolm here. Malcolm, how's the quarantine beard going? <laughs> um, it's going good. It's not really grown a lot, but I just don't shave anyway, so it's no different, really. Everybody I remember seeing you shave for the first time and I had to do a double take because I was like, I didn't know it was you for a second. Because I rarely see you. Because for those of you who don't see, because it's obviously audio only, Malcolm has a uh, probably are the thickest beard out of all of us. So it covers most yeah. of the lower half of his face. So seeing him with that is, is a shock. So it's babe, Peter Jackson. It's basically Peter Jackson. We don't joke. It is Peter Jackson. Uh, it's a little more well-kept. I mean, Jackson. if, if, if <laughs> yeah. you guys what Malcolm looks like, you can go and check out a show he hosts every week on this channel that you're listening to. That is true. <laughs> we are not just a podcast as well on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We are also on YouTube, so watch us there. We have to have equal numbers in about both things. So watch us on YouTube if you're not watching Wait. us there now. We have almost equal numbers of this show as we do, what, subscribers on our channel? Not or, no, oh, not so that, like, that's awfully depressing on difference. the YouTube end. There is a difference. Um, and also we have Ryan. Pray tell. What's up? How's the quarantine beard? Uh, well, it's about the same, except for I'm being a little bit lazier because I'm not really seeing many people, which is like many like clients, I guess I should say. I am still working. Okay. For whatever godforsaken reason, they've decided that lawyers are essential. So, <laughs> I mean, we, we carry on. <laughs> I was about to say, how is everyone's quarantine life going on at the moment right now? Since we're in week, what, whatever. At I don't even know at this point. 
Um, I lacked what most people call a social life before quarantine. So the sole difference is, is I'm now working in my house instead of in an office. But McDonald's hasn't closed yet, so nothing, nothing really has changed too much for me. <laughs> okay, right on. And Malcolm, how was your week in quarantine this week? Um, I've just checked my quarantine log. Star date. Quarantine. Mister Spock is growing a beard. So, Captain, I, I'm disappointed it? that Matt didn't wasn't the one to make that joke first, but never mind. Oh, <laughs> but, all right. You know what? Again, because when I come on the show, I'm afraid to to make my references and my my impressions <laughs> because I I think it will tarnish the. The, the name, yes, the image, gone the with the respect of Gone with the Wind. We are an award yeah. show about award <laughs> shows where we talk about, you guessed it, award shows. Um, <laughs> I have that memorized now. Yeah, Ryan, how's your quarantine week going? Not from a beard standpoint, but from a personal standpoint. You know, better than it was last. Like yesterday, I got, I had to help my, because my boss is about to go into quarantine because he's about to have a baby. So, oh, yeah. He's, he, He's going into shutdown mode so that in case they have to go to the hospital because they're doing a home birth because of this whole disaster. Oh, jeez. In case they have to go to the hospital. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, so he's been in quarantine for four days. So I was at his house helping him set up his computer yesterday to like work from home. And you know, I got to see his young child, his other young his currently born child. I was about to say, wait a minute. <laughs> so you saw the birth? He had a sonogram just right yeah, there. No. Ryan said hi. He has one kid. He's about okay. to have kid number two. And number two. it was really kind of nice to see somebody who like who has no conception of what's going on and is just kind of happy and Aww. like love and life. And you know, it really it, it was a good mental health <laughs> break. Aww. I know that wasn't the point, like but it was quite nice. I like that. That's actually a really uplifting thing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and actually, oh, oh, for me, yeah, quarantine beard's going well. It's the longest I've ever had it. Uh, I don't. It doesn't completely grow. For those who don't know, between my mustache and my full beard, it's there, yeah. but it's not as thick as the other ones. So it's just barely there. So once this quarantine's over, you're gonna see a clean shaven. Wait, you're gonna hear a clean shaven Manning. You know what you <laughs> can do, Manning? Though, if you shave off the sides, no. you can have a van. A Van Dyke, they call it. I, no, I could just, also go full Henry Cavill <laughs> mustache no. only. What you, Manny, what you need to do is you need to just like let it grow to be like as long as it can, pardon me, it can be, and then like try and see how much of it will fill in because there are like parts that like when it's a certain length, like don't fill in, but then when you grow it a little bit longer, they do, and like it's a See, I haven't shaved in about. This is how suddenly turned into the uh, shave shaving podcast. Uh, shaving beard, podcast. beard, beard, beard etiquette talk. podcast. Uh, this episode gone with the wind. It's not brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> 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 We're not sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. That's what I'm about to say. <laughs> Everyone else says that or Squarespace or Audible um, or all three <laughs> or all three at the same time. Uh, okay, yep. I'm going to actually do that now because I've already grown this out for a long time. I haven't even trimmed it. I should probably do that as such. Um, at least some well, I mean, it is true that if you shave, it does help grow back in. All but it's quarantine beard. You let it grow. Oh, natural. Yeah. Not me. I, I shaved. But that was because I had an ingrown hair and I had to oh. shave. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, that aside, um, have I introduced anybody? I completely lost my train of thought. We, I have introduced everybody. The next thing we're going to do 
in less detail as we did for the prior episode, what have we watched this week? And tell us a bit more about uh what you what you what are your thoughts on said things? We're gonna start in reverse this time. So we're gonna start with Ryan and end on Matt. So Ryan, what did you watch this week and what or last week or whatever? Uh Ryan has watched nothing this week. <gasps> Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan has only consumed the news and has done nothing. <laughs> Bless your heart, sir. So is there no detachment at this point? Is it just all in? Uh, kind of. I mean, right now I'm watching Canada's version of C-SPAN as we're passing the wage subsidy bill. <laughs> like, it's not, you know, it's not a terribly exciting life. I was about to say, uh, so when does the, uh, when is the, when is the, uh, when is the uh, act one and when is act two of that? <laughs> of well, I think we're, I think we're in act two because we're in the Senate now. <laughs> we passed the house and now we're in the senate <laughs> see obviously as, again now for those who don't know as we've mentioned we're all in different actually no matt and i are in the same country so how about yes. that now we're not in four different we're, countries we are not we are not properly socially distanced we oh, need okay. to be whole countries apart well okay what coast are you manning i'm we're both west coast or east, east coast. coast East Coast. we're both east coast <laughs> see uh what oh no yeah man. you two are actually probably the closest together yeah like, few people have been on the show in a while logistically Look, to, to quote to quote a movie that was definitely not nominated for any awards they're peanut butter and jealous they hate us because they ain't us manning the interview the oh, interview oh boy that movie that movie that was, it was incredible Oh boy. Um, okay, so then Malcolm, what have you watched this week? Can Canadian or New Zealand C-SPAN? <laughs> Did you watch Canadian? Um, I was about to say that I realized he's not from Canada. I've watched um, lots of things, um, but um, I, I've, I've um, watched um, the uh, new movie that's uh, dropped on Netflix the other day, the main event, which is. Um, WWE Studios movie about this kid who finds a magic um, luchador mask and um, becomes a wrestler. He's got a whole bunch of cameos from WWE wrestlers and all that. And it's a really fun movie. And if you haven't seen it, um, I'd recommend you check it out. Um, in relation to that, um, it, it's not really a movie, but I watched it anyway. It's um, I watched the Big Show show, which is a um, once again a Netflix sitcom which dropped this week based around the wrestler, the Big Show. Um, and it stars Alison Munn from that 70s show as his wife. Um, so, um, I, 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 yeah, Alison Munn. Um, I also watched um, Guns Akimbo and Jane Silent Bob reboot, among other things. All right. And Matt, what did you watch? Oh, actually, wait, hold on. Before we do that, Malcolm. Oh, okay. It's your birthday today. Actually, t yesterday. It's whatever you record this. It's today, but also yesterday. Well, I mean, I mean, it's today in the states. Yesterday, in New Zealand time. So, everyone uh, from Gone with the Wind, we won't sing okay. because that's be too bad. But happy birthday! We wanted to wish you that. Happy birthday to you. Uh, no, we're not gonna do that. Okay, Matt, tell us what have you watched this past week or the last two weeks. Um, so right now I'm in the middle of, I actually have it right here. I'm in the middle of rewatching, uh, the adventures of young Indiana Jones. Oh. Technically their feature length, 
uh, runtime, so they're all technically movies. Um, and we then last other stuff here when we, you know. And then I watched uh, last night with Mi Familia. Uh, I watched Red Dawn, the 2012 version. So oh. I still like it. not as much as the 84 version, but I, I still like it. I imagine so. 84 version. Didn't you Chris Hemsworth in that one? Or? I'm sorry? Isn't Chris Hemsworth in that one? Yeah, Chris Hemsworth's uh, Jed. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I just was not positive. Um, and then, is that it, or is there more? Uh, I mean, I watched scenes from Armageddon, because that's kind of... <laughs> the world. No, I legitimately was like, I really want to watch uh, that scene of AJ and Gracie. And so I just put my DVD... I couldn't find it on YouTube, so I just like took my DVD and put it in my uh, computer and just watched that scene. I was like, all right. Nice. <laughs> Did you watch the animal cracker scene? Yeah, at that's all? the one. That's that is the one. one. Okay, when you I wanted to make sure that was the one. Yeah, you were uh, yeah. This is beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I don't know why, but it always makes me laugh whenever I just kind of see him playing with the little animal cracker right there. So like, it's, I did not expect that the first time I saw the movie, and I'm like, you know, the what? funny thing about that scene is, um, that was actually the I forgot the screenplay writer's name, but they had written that for another movie, and it had never been used in like a previous draft. And then when they were writing, um. Yeah. Armageddon, they decide to put it in there for AJ and Gracie. So screenwriters out there listening to this, don't throw things away. Save them, because you can yeah. use them in other movies. Exactly. That's like a life that is a life skill to learn. I actually. stole that from the cinephiles, by the way. That was not a fact I knew before that. I have to let that be known. I'm not that crazy about, well, uh, I might be that crazy. About I was about to movie, say, right? listen, I know you love that movie a lot. Can we Actually, talk about that movie, guys? Can we do a like whole you. episode about I that? Like you and Ryan just talk about Armageddon because I know you guys are the ones who really like Armageddon. Okay, I... not as much. You don't like it as much as Matt. I know, obviously, but it's, I know, you're... like, it's an enjoyable movie. What more do you want from a movie called Armageddon? It's like, a little better. Michael Bay. Mm, mm, like, enjoyable? Yes, this is it's true. enjoyable. Understatement, meaning Matt, I would not alienate the one person who would agree positively <laughs> with you right now. Hey, you were on late night last night, all right? I'm used to, to being the to island, rubbing yeah. my own beat. Which, by the way, guys, do you want to talk about the uh, Oscar nominated film Boss Baby? We do not want to talk <laughs> about I can repeat my monologue from last night, which. Hey, if you guys just get the mute button, really betting and mute. <laughs> <laughs> okay anyway uh yes what i watch actually matt 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 are you hold on matt are you okay matt and then the baby says put that cookie down cookies are for closers matt i'm yes. about to do my thing right now oh, sure one of my, you know okay right. good 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 defense though um so uh i continue my james bond watch and i decided to not go in chronological well, actually well from where i wasn't pierce brosnan i decided to go with daniel craig just i'm gonna go reverse so i'm gonna go sean connery after this then i'm gonna go again to uh, that one individual who i can't remember who's Thank you. Roger Moore. Um, Connery, Lavity, Connery again, Moore, Dalton, yes. Brosnan, yeah. Chris. I, there's that one I just forget that's in between, that's in the, the living Timothy daylight. The, or on, on the Magic Secret Service. That's Timothy Dalton. On her Magic Secret Service is George Lavity. Thank you. Yeah. That's the one. Um, right. Anyway, so. Which is a I, great Bond film, by the way. 
I have not seen that but, one yet, one? but I will. Uh, on your Majesty's Secret Service and both of the fine. Dalton films. Yeah, okay, like, so, Timothy Dalton is like really underrated. He's but, my uh, second favorite Bond. He's, we'll get there. You know, I want- no, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I love this bond, and I don't get to talk about it a lot. Which we can talk about it actually right now, because uh, the first time I've seen Solace and Spectre, so I actually I'm so sorry watched... for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I I know why I skipped those two now. Um, okay, so... Spectre's not that bad. Okay, no, no. It no, does that is Solace. Spectre. That's no, solace it's not now. as bad as Solace. Solace is really bad. But anyway, Casino Royale. We watched it again. I rewatched it again. Still great, a great reinvention of Bond because I've never been the biggest Bond fan. I like what they did with that for the modern age, and I was I thought it was really solid overall. Plus, it's definitely a turn, obviously, from Pierce Brosnan, especially the <laughs> what was it, Die Another Day? Day? Yes, that was his final outing. That was yeah. a wonderful. It has good things in it. Some it was directed by a great New Zealander. Pierce Jackson yeah. directed that. Jackson didn't direct that. I uh, no. New Zealander. I know that's directing. It was either Martin Campbell or Lee Tamahori. I can't remember which. I know one did the world is not enough. The other one did die another day. Martin Campbell is a name I saw at the beginning. Martin, of Martin Campbell did Goldeneye and Casino Royale. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Martin Campbell, did, Martin Campbell did not direct that. Wait, day. Martin Campbell, Campbell did Casino Royale? Oh, wow, you're right. Yeah, Martin Campbell's <laughs> job is to just revive the James Bond series. <laughs> it's his sole job in the world. <laughs> like, come back, we need you. Yeah, we just come back, they're like, hey, we, we need you to, to save Bond. It has it's to be like, at this point now. <laughs> What's Martin Campbell doing right now, actually? He's probably like, prepping for the new change. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what, I can't, the I last movie he did was The Foreigner with Jackie Chan. And oh, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. See, I tend uh, to, to say Pierce Brosnan's in that and Jackie Chan. Oh, he did Green yeah. Lantern? Oh. He did do Green Lantern, yeah. <laughs> he also did The Mask of Zorro. He's so. a legend. Yeah, yeah. He's very hit or miss. Holy cow. Yep. Yeah, yeah, like Bond, he's he's Pretty much, he's batting a hundred. Die another day was the other New Zealand delete type of hurry. Mm. Okay, okay. So, okay. how did you feel since this was your first time watching Quantum of Solace, Manning? What did you think of the scene where he kills the woman by drowning her in like a vat of oil? Like that came out of nowhere. <laughs> I was like. First off, I'm like, we're getting Goldfinger references over here. Because uh, I. We definitely I'm, are. I'm very. Well, I haven't seen Goldfinger. Um, what? I definitely. I know, right? I haven't seen Goldfinger. Goldfinger? I know, right? Um, but I've also I, never I, seen I, it. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Malcolm. Uh, I knew the image right offhand because that image is everywhere. Uh, but also, that's kind of a dark way to really go fast for a character. Also, they never say her name in the, in the movie. However, I'm pretty sure her name was Strawberry Fields or something like it that. Is. Yes, that is her name. And like, they never, they don't say her name, do they, in the movie? They do. They do? Okay, because yeah. I totally missed that because I kept thinking, what's her name? I honestly haven't watched that movie in a bit, mostly because I'm honestly not the biggest Craig fan when it comes to Bond. <gasps> okay, I'm about to give you a first off. Well, Abe is here. Okay. Hi. Hi, Abe. Hey, Abe. Hi, Abe. Am I supposed to say something? Bond no, no. We'll, we'll get to you in a second. Well, see, Manning, the, to explain my point, I'm I'm more of an, like, my favorite Bonds are, like, Brosnan, Dalton, uh, Connery. Like, Craig just, like, his movies felt very much like they were definitely made after Batman Begins, like, that whole new era of, like, They're action definitely movies. Different. 
and I like the books are one of my favorite book series next to maybe the Jack Ryan series. And so they, uh, I don't know. There's just, there's not, I don't know. There's just something about Craig to where like, he's got the darkness of Bond, but he loses the suaveness. And that's the great thing about that character. He's, he has both of those things. I don't know. It's just something about those movies just have never, never rung home for me. I can agree with the sense of he is very different from what Pierce Brosnan was doing and from the yeah. stuff that I've seen from Roger Moore and Sean Connery. It's very different. It's definitely a lot more dark and brooding, but I think the movies themselves are a lot more quote unquote grounded in reality, but even though they're really not. Can we find that out? Grounded in reality. That guy in almost every single one of his Bond films either starts off retired or ends up retiring near the end of the film. And then he always gets brought back. Oh, freaking! Like, and I get it. Being an agent, probably not that hard. But like Bond, see, like your first outing was Casino Royale, and by the third act, you had already quit. And then you came back because your girlfriend got killed, or she wasn't really your girlfriend; she was married. Quantas Solace, he's fine. Skyfall, he gets shot, decides to quit, comes back. Spectre, same shit. And apparently. Looking at the trailers for No Time to Die, he's already started off. He's quit again. Or or or, or he could he, remember he quit at the end. Of, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! He quit at the end of Spectre. They're like, I thought you had gone. I did go, and then he goes off into the sunset. He probably might bring him back again for the No Time to Die. Sean Connery was James Bond when he was like eighty nine. Okay, he didn't quit. Okay, he kept going. But- he fell in love, which first off, okay, let me actually go back to the beginning. Uh, Ro- Royale, great. Solace. Royale and Skyfall are the ones that I do watch. Okay. Let me but I don't say, like them a lot. I, again, I have no attachment to James Bond. I love Skyfall. Skyfall is even better having all the context beforehand, like seeing M, like I've seen Skyfall, but just having that context beforehand, having seen M actually develop as a character and uh, Bond, and also, man, man, Javier Bardem is so good in the few scenes that he's actually in, man. That entire mm-hmm. initial scene of the long shot is utterly... He, he, he steals the screen every time that he's on there. He has this beautiful, like, of classic Bond villain of old. He it's kind of commands the screen, and I and I I adore that. Skyfall is it definitely as as a Bond fan, it felt like they had listened to like the old school fans who liked Royale and Solace, but were like, this doesn't really feel like James Bond, and that's why they brought in Q and all the gadgets yeah. and all oh, that Q. stuff. They brought that into Skyfall along with all the stuff they had already set up with like great addition grounding I, I use air quotes for you listening because i mean he smashes through really a wall no problem so how how grounded are we really um yeah no but you know it's just drywall it's not like it's, he Ryan, goes through a lot of walls go find drywall and try to smash through it with well, knife going out you know what maybe i will <laughs> i will can you record that ryan Please. I feel I love- like Ryan is probably a really big Craig fan, and you're like Kristen Smith on this channel. She hates when I talk about the Craig movies. Well, okay, then give me a, well, before I go into Spectre for a hot second, then tell me what are y'all's opinions of the Craig's James Bond? Because I'm assuming has okay, has everyone seen a majority of the Craig films at all? Malcolm, have you seen all of them, or have you seen? I've seen them all. Besides Sky, 
but you haven't seen like you haven't seen any of the old ones, right? I've seen. I don't. I. I actually, honestly don't know which of the old ones I've seen or which I haven't. That's fair. I, I know. I've seen, I, I know. I've seen a few of them. Because I remember seeing The World Is Not Enough and Die Another Day in the theatres. Um, okay. But the other ones, I really don't know which ones I've, of those ones I've seen or which I haven't. Um, well, first off, again, Spectre is ambitious, but it falls apart as they try to do. They try to do too much. I was entertained most of it. That very beginning shot, I think that was the beginning of, of Sam Mendes going, I can do a whole movie. <laughs> within one shot uh that was him twisting that knife a little bit more instead of getting hoyt van hoytma he goes to work with uh deacons again um which again beautiful shots um from hoyt van hoytma beautiful shots um cinematography uh okay so what are all opinions of the craig films i'm just genuinely curious i know matt had his opinions like as a fan of james bond they're not the type of direction he prefers ryan i know you were there you you like the Craig films, I'm assuming, correct? I do. Um, I, I obviously still think he's sort of batting like 60% because Quantum of Solace is just not a good movie and Spectre is mixed. But like yeah. the other two are, are just great action movies. And I think it's a fun take on the character. It's a take that I find to be entertaining. So. Um, but I mean, like, I'm I'm fine with Kitchy Bond too. It's just like I think this is more, this is more my style, so to speak. I see that. And Abe, again, Abe's joining us again, everybody. So Abe, what is your opinion on? Also, holy cow, you're wait, it's light. I just realized that. Yes, he's not in a dark room. <laughs> holy cow! I my light. No, 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 you're. Just, <laughs> I actually don't have my light. No, it's <laughs> great. <laughs> I know. Oh, I I, th I I think the kidnappers let him out for good behavior. <laughs> oh my god! You guys get Maybe. dark on this show, don't you? We like a we, Daniel we, Craig right. movie. We're like a Daniel. Oh my god! How did I not realize this? Look who's look who's on the cover there, and he was just in the episode. I just watched Daniel oh, Craig, young well, Daniel you Craig. Know? I forgot he was in that. Being a German Secret Service agent. SS. <laughs> All right. And he has a terrible um, German accent. <laughs> He has a great southern accent, though. I'll give him that. Great American accent in Tomb Raider, though. Joe Bang. Uh, oh <laughs> <laughs> and hey, yeah, what are your I'm totally American. What are your thoughts on the Daniel Craig uh, series? Uh, actually, I hadn't watched any of them until <gasps> Spectre was going to come out. Was going to come out. So I watched it all in a week, like all the three before Spectre. Hey, you like me. So, so I did went into it. Uh, I love Casino Royale. That's my favorite one. Uh, that uh, parkour sequence at the beginning. Well, kind of. Yeah, that's good. That is, <laughs> that is parkour. It's parkour. Before that, people, it is parkour. Yes. Yeah, people parkour. reference it as the parkour sequence. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Quantum of Solace is really bad. Uh, it it took me a while to watch the movie, even though I watched it a week. It took me like two days of that week to watch it. Uh, Skyfall is incredible. Uh, I just that they're back in the house. I think it's kind of dumb. It's like, you know, they reference Green Junkies, but it does remind you of Home Alone. Like, all the tracks in the house. <laughs> no, but... Okay. And Spectre... That was assuredly not what I was thinking when I saw that movie. <laughs> nope. Nope. But I think I watched the Honest Trailer before the movie, after the movie, so uh. I had that in my mind. Uh... 
and uh, what's in what, Spectre. That's a mixed bag. Like, I like some scenes, but I think Daniel Craig is kind of sleepwalking in the movie. He doesn't seem that interesting. Like, yeah. Doing, yeah, he's just kind of bored. Also, Crystal Baltz at the beginning was kind of disappointing because you had this great actor and you don't, you don't do that much with him. I think... They tried to do way too much in that movie. Like, they tried to balance. Yeah, I I don't... Well, it's hard to say Sam Mendes is not, like, an actress director. Because, I mean, Kevin Spacey in American Beauty and then Benny wrote to Perdition, you know? Captain Mm -hmm. Hanks, but you usually don't get, like, these big performances out of his movies. Like, I think he likes more the setup in the acting. And I think that would have... That would have helped the movie. Like, just push the actor a little bit. A little like, bit more. Little I, think more not, I, I think also, in a way, it's not fair to compare, like, Road to Perdition to Spectre, because it's like, oh, no, I, Tom I Hanks is a different class from Daniel Craig as an actor. Oh, no, uh, yeah. oh, but I'm talking about <laughs> Oh, yeah. I want to disagree, but I can't. So like, I'm like, yeah. not bad, but he's not no. Tom Hanks. Oh yeah, I know, but like, you know, you know that Nick Kirk can do great work. So if they yeah. push, same as Christopher, he had won two Oscars before doing Spectre. So sure. you know that I can. If well directed, every actor can be great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some, you know the ending. You I know, don't know when he's in the house, <laughs> when all the pictures of the people in his past, like just. They, he, uh, that's corny, but I actually liked it. You know, I have that reaction to corny stuff. I just liked it. Even though I it's love... so dumb when you think about it. That is true. I love yeah, how they but... forgot Mr. Green from Quantum of Solace. They just forgot that movie completely. They had the other villains, but not him. <laughs> but <laughs> overall, <laughs> I, I enjoy Daniel Craig. As, I, I, I'm looking forward for No Time to Die. Probably like yes. my third most anticipated movie of this year. Well, what's left of this year? I was about to say, what is left? We don't know. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah I, I was about to say, all this talk of um, James Bond is just the press to me that we would have had no time to die this week. Oh. You, you hey, know, topical. <laughs> and you know what the thing is, honestly? Those trailers have kind of got me excited for that movie. And and again, I, I really do like Skyfall and uh, Casino Royale. And they just kind of got an old school feel to it. I love the fact that they they're calling him commander in the trailers which was something that in the old movies he would get called mm. often it was a different era because of course it was the cold war um but yeah so i'm kind of mad i was kind of prepped to see that i was going to see it in a dolby theater that's no, just not there man yes so sad. I mean, it's like the chronologically of bond is all over the place anyway because it goes from sort of male M to Judy Dench, then it goes back to Ray Fiennes' M is like... Skyfall? Which was supposed, that's the thing. Trumpish was supposed to be the one. Well, the ending of Skyfall is so weird because it kind of feels like it's setting up to where Dr. No would happen next, but then of course Spectre comes like out and it's like, nope, Dr. No did, it, did not happen. <laughs> I think, I, I because mean, uh, wasn't Craig like a soft reboot to... So... Yeah, I, I, I think the Craig one is supposed to be a kind of a prequel slash reboot, so, which confused hmm. me all the same because they kept Judy Dench from Died on the Day. So, so this was this was the, the real messed up thing about that. And I love Judy Dench and get why they kept her as M. But so Casino Royale was the first book in the James Bond series. Yes. It is the 
that is his first outing as a double O. So starting with Casino Royale, it was kind of this like, it was kind of going a new direction, but also starting with Casino Royale, it was going to be the prequel. And that's why like Judy Dench was really weird keeping her because again, like I say, Skyfall kind of ends to where Dr. No, like kind of all the, the pieces are in play to where Dr. No would happen. Hmm. Okay, but but then Spectre happens. It's like, oh, um, no, clearly we're not going in that direction. Uh, um, on that note, people are speculating online that maybe Malik is going to be the kind of the the pre precursor to Doctor No, and it, it's essentially he's going to be playing Doctor No in this new one, No Time to Die. Hmm. I mean, Which, ultimately, I don't just I, but, ignore mm. with the Craig movies. I I I tend to just have them live in their own universe and just like yeah. judy dench is just here because judy dench She's is judy dench. awesome but like they're mm. separate from like like the other bond movies have references to, to each other on movies in them and so you can kind of be like oh okay they are kind of the same person the craig ones i'm just like they, they exist in their own place yeah one thing that i found really uh, very evident in just that whiplash almost in tone from craig <laughs> bless you uh bless you happy birthday um so is that is it their bond is very much a product of its time like i'm just watching specter again and they have they're having that debate of like you know security versus uh um uh freedom and that's still going on that we had back in the winter soldier type of time um it's very much something that wouldn't have happened back in the Sean Connery days. That's not something that people were fighting during that time. Bond is very much something that evolves with the times. And I'm looking forward to seeing how Connery, uh, I barely remember the ones I did see a long time ago. So I'm mean, looking forward to seeing how that plays out. And same thing with more and the ones going forward. Well, what I'll, what I'll say about that is I definitely agree with you. And I think James Bond has been around for over 50 years. You don't really stick around for 50 years as an ongoing film series if you don't that's evolve true. with the times. Like, that's just that's just how it is. Um, I think the Connery stuff were really mold breakers. Like, Dr. No and Goldfinger, in particular, those two, for, like, action movies of that era, they were kind of trend centers. Um, Manning, going from the Craig stuff to that, be prepared. It's completely oh, I know. different. It's field, campy. But I'm Connery excited. Connery's not as campy as people will lead you to think he is. Especially in Doctor No. If but, what I recall is to be the, the correct, I know that more is the campiest out of all. More is the campy one. That is where, but you also have to remember those movies were being made in the 70s, which things were a little bit looser. People were more like, hey, James Bond goes to space because we all love Star Wars. Like, it was Moon. a little bit, they played fast and loose and they kind of just like made the character like more of a womanizer and like mm -hmm. not really like, he would like, like more would care more about like the Bond girl than like the mission. Yeah, that I noticed because, that. And that's just kind of like what they wanted. Connery's not like that. And I kind of hate that Connery gets stuck with more in that and the lesbian just like he kind of just does what connery does because he's only there for one movie so he doesn't get a lot of time to develop mm -hmm. himself mm -hmm. but the, the connery stuff is great once you get to dalton i think i think you'll be happy because dalton is which is why you only got two films because he was kind of too ahead of his time for bond 
And people okay. were so used to Roger Moore that they were like, wait, why is James Bond dark? He's not, he doesn't care about banging women. This is so weird. And now we get to Craig and everyone loves Craig. And it's like, you yeah, know, well, well, Dalton did it first and better. <laughs> Dalton did it first. They hashtag Dalton did it first. Uh, Abe, I know you had your hand up a while ago and I, and then you put it down. Do you want to say what you had? Do you remember? I do. Oh, oh no, I just wanted to say that because you you guys went into another conversation but like those Bond movies and I said it again and again but epics you know those 300 million movies that they put a money into it mm-hmm. they're actually using these big sets and yep. excellent cinematography even the quality of the movies you cannot the inspector looks good even quantum of solid like you can see them on screen the and, money you know, is... we, we don't see a lot of movies and and Sam Mendes is like like an artistic director he knows what to do you know the lighting and everything and if you compare like two similar films of that fashion like the mission impossible movies they're great movies fantastic but they they, they don't have like that visual interesting feel to it in some some parts they do but like i mean they do what they do with their action movies and they're great but like those bond movies directed by sam mendes anyway because quantum of quantum of solace like they felt different like those like the worst setting like they go, you know, in the in the last one they went to Mexico and everything. Yep. Those are those are the epics of this time, and we yeah. usually don't get most most of them, which is sad. Yeah. No. I. 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 I the the cinematography in these four were a significant improvement to the kind of. You can tell there's a little more artsiness behind them because Skyfall is still one of is still utterly gorgeous. I literally told my sister I paused the scene for those who have seen Skyfall, where it's just one take shot as the camera zooms in and Bond is in shadow fighting this other assassin whose name I can't remember, and behind them is just it's just this glowing uh, neon light. So you yeah. just see their silhouettes and it's just beautiful. I pause it and told my sister come in and watch magic happen. Because Roger Deakins just is, I well, love that the man. The scene for me that I love is it's so simple, but it just shows how great he is in Skyfall. Is when he's going to, um, he's going to the the Chinese place, and it's just all the lights. Oh, the lanterns, old and the lanterns, yeah. and everything. That's just an amazing shot. It is. Mm-hmm. It's I just also love that, like, it for just enough. Like that's that's why Deakins the man. Yeah. I also love like like the fire at the end, like where it's very kind of like it's off in the distance, and it's just this very cool, like cold, and then this just really hot part, and it just it, it's a movie, moving fire. Like it's nothing it's like if you've ever brilliantly shot. seen a, a is, house actually on fire. It's nothing. It's nothing. I've like not that. seen a house on fire. <laughs> I confess, I not something that I do on a regular. I did place. when I was a kid. My neighbors, not like up up in flames like that, but I had oh, a house partially. Um, hey, what'd you say? It didn't look like that. It wasn't yeah, that beautiful. Yeah, I wasn't God, like slow mo with my hair all down my face, <laughs> like Bardem. Like, oh, hey, look at that. Hey, what was that? I burned my house right now. Oh, okay. what? <laughs> okay. Don't burn oh, your house, God. Abe. Do not you burn see your what house. Real house bar looks like? <laughs> we will drop you from the call. <laughs> Um, okay. I'm just making a while. He, okay, while you're crazy, right, and doing crazy things, Abe. What did you watch this week? Oh, and how's the quarantine beard going? We're all growing, trying to grow one. I'm not growing one. See, you it's are growing it. It's just laziness. Oh. Uh, what? Is, I watch Madagascar too. Like, <laughs> Again? <laughs> no, Madagascar too. 
Oh, two. Okay. Uh, that's the only thing I've watched because I'm not. Oh, I I watched Better Call Saul the first two episodes on Netflix. Like in Mexico, they they're opening. Uh, I'm trying to watch those, which is really great. Like I don't know. I I just don't make my time to watch it. I just listen mm-hmm. to podcasts all day and focus on school. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, you know, it's hard for me. I miss the theater. It's been like, it's going to be almost a month since I went to a theater. And I, and I really miss it. I need it. Like, I need it in my life. Well, well get ready to have many, many more. Yeah. Which, you know what the most upsetting thing is? The week before they closed my local AMC, and all, it didn't matter because Fathom canceled anyway, it was the week that Braveheart was going to be re-released. And I was so excited to see Braveheart in Fear. It's one of my favorite movies. I try to go to all the Fathom okay. events for my favorite movies. And it's just so upsetting that it's just like... Well, speaking of theaters, this past week, uh, or the week prior, I'm not 100% positive, but there was an article I'm trying to find it right now, actually, uh, saying how AMC might not even uh, return back. They are in talks to hire a bankruptcy law firm at the moment to because um, they are the possibility of filing for bankruptcy. I'm trying to figure out exactly um, where that is located. Um, while I do that, and to confirm this, because I want to have all our facts and ducks in a row, how are, what are y'all's opinion on the fact that AMC may never recover from this and possibly could shut down for good? What would that mean for the movie industry? And do you think this is even going to happen? When everybody start talking at once. <laughs> oh, I have something to say. Oh, you know, hey. It's so weird Go that ahead. that's going to happen when they just bought it a couple years ago, that Chinese company, that I'm not mistaken, it's called Wanda, which based on the Wikipedia article, owns 38% of the company. But, you know, I don't have this attachment to AMC, as you guys may, because I grew up in Mexico, and I really went to my first AMC a couple months ago. So it's not oh, wow. To, to the, it's sad because it's like it's like Pepsi going down. If you compare it to the Regal's Coca Cola, which is weird because Regal gets Pepsi and AMC gets Coca Cola. Yeah. Yeah, that's where now, but it's like the, the biggest competitors in movie theaters. I think it's the first, the second chain in the world with more screens. So it, it's it's hard to see that happening. But I don't think it's gonna happen, honestly. Like, like you can find a buyer to that, even though it's gonna be a big risk. You know, you're gonna get revenue at the end. I'm not a lawyer. Which, I'm not an economist. Which we have a lawyer on here. Uh, however, um, I found the article, uh, and it's apparently it's from uh, Movie Web. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. But S and P Global downgraded AMC's theater's credit rating last week to CCC minus. They were previously a B rating. And they were the big. They were is sorry. They AMC is the biggest theater chain in North America, but they're drowning in debt right now, and it's only continuing to get worse. Um, as a resident lawyer, I know this isn't. I this is this is your this is your uh, level. Is this your area of law? I keep forgetting. I know it's not family law. And I know not, it's not, not bankruptcy. Is not really my area, but it's something that we touch on a lot, especially okay. right now. I'll be honest. I be I believe that. It's so, what is your about that than almost anything else the past couple weeks? <laughs> I believe that too. What's your um, opinion? <laughs> so, I mean, part of it may just be like a need to restructure. Like they, like AMC does have a big debt problem, but the thing that AM, like AMC is very asset rich. It has a lot of 
real estate assets. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, like it, it's going to be so hard to repurpose a lot of the buildings that AMC owns or that AMC is renting either way, whether it's the landlord or them in ownership. And so it's very, it, it's kind of hard to move a Leviathan like that and to just straight up close it. Um, so in all likelihood, I mean, the problem with this situation is that like a lot of companies are, are really looking a couple stages down the road as to what they need to do with respect to COVID. Um, so even though AMC might not like be in a position to go under today, they're worried about like three months from now mm. when they're still not open and, you know, we're still, you know, toiling through this in one way or the other, or alternatively they do get to reopen and then people don't come back. Um, which is probably the biggest fear that I think that they might yeah. have right at the moment. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, like you're like Abe was saying there, like there's, there's a lot of restructuring opportunities for them. Um, but, uh, but I, they're in a, they're in a tough bind of sorts. And I think that if, like I think you're probably going to see uh, see some restructuring. We'll see some theaters close because right now they have a lot of them. Um, and I think that they might they might close down a few. But I think that they're also going to have to be a reckoning between the theater chains and the the movie studios because, like, they both work in this like symbiotic. This sort of they're, they're yeah, symbiotic. They are. They are. And there's a certain tension though because like the movie production company wants to get as much money out of the out of the theater as possible and vice versa. And so they need to, at some point if the theaters are going to go under and if movie production companies don't think that they're going to be able to make as much money that way, they may need to find a different balance between the two of them, but we'll see how that goes. Which brings me also to, cause I know we were talking about beforehand, Matt, you're the one who has the AMC that probably, I know that's what you go to a lot too. I don't have an AMC near me, so I don't have that attachment to you too. But you were also talking about how movie industry possibly might have to get involved in some way beforehand too. Uh, so, so everything that I'm basing this off of is um, John Campia covered this on his show. Um, I suggest you all, he, he clipped it out. Um, it's on his channel right now. I suggest you all check it out. It's a really great discussion him and Robert Byron Burnett have. Uh, he brought up the fact that, just like Ryan had said, you know, um, the movie industry and the theater industry are very symbiotic. If one's doing very bad, the other kind of does bad. Um, you know, people are talking about these streaming services. They don't understand is like, like Aladdin and like movies like that for Disney yeah, they made more in their feeder run than like Disney's gonna make on Disney Plus this year. Like that's just that's just like facts. Um, mm. you know, like Aladdin made like a billion dollars. They're not making a billion dollars off of Disney Plus this year. Like it's just not happening. Um, mm. he brought up the fact that a possibility of something that could happen again. He's basing this just off of you know, hearsay, because again, everyone is very, we don't know where we're going to be in a month's time with movies. And like Ryan said, even if they reopen, who knows how many people are going to be quick Showing to go up. back. But he's brought up something that I feel like maybe could happen, which is um, a lot of the bigger studios like Warner Brothers and Disney and, and Paramount, stuff like that, maybe shipping in to help out AMC. Because AMC 
is the biggest theater chain in North America. It is big for the Hollywood industry. And having that closed down is not good for them. Um, I mean, this whole thing, mm -hmm. I'm the exact opposite from Abe. I have a very big connection to my MC. Uh, it was the first movie theater I ever went to. Um, you know, the first movie I ever saw was there. It's the theater that I still go to. Um, and so if it was to close down, like, it would be like my elementary school closing down. Like, it's just like this thing that's just like a part of what made me a film fan was going there. And so, like, I hope this doesn't happen. Um, I'm not. Look, I'm not a money person. I, I don't, I, I feel like I have to quote um, Adam Sandler from Wedding Singer. I have money. I have a little bit of it. I would like more. Uh, but I, I'm not, like, I don't know bank terms and bankruptcy and all these things, um, unless we're talking about Will Fortune. So that's why everything, go watch the John Gaffey videos. It's, it's far, far better than I can explain it, but I would be very upset if AMC closed down. Abe, are you what are you what are you doing? <laughs> just making a first out of, I I'm sitting here pouring my heart out for Abe's computers and Abe's just screwing around. I just kept hearing no, I, this like I'm looking down who's oh, I just, I just keep saying money and I remember something about my wallet. And I was like, did I spend that? I, <laughs> I too. Abe's like, do I have money in my wallet? I do want to quickly dovetail on something Matt was saying there, though, that, that like, uh, you know, like we we all develop attachments to, to certain theaters in our lifetime. Um, and I know that, that there's an AMC that's very important to me that I would be very depressed, like, not that I live there anymore, so I can't go there. But um, the AMC in downtown Boston, I spent mm. an unholy amount of time and money there. And they're happy it, about that, you know. <laughs> It meant a lot to me. It got me through law school with most of my sanity intact. Um, and so, uh, you know, I would, it would be a real, real loss. And I would have mm -hmm. to just, I would hope that they would open free. If they were, if they were to close, which I really don't think is going to happen. It's really, it would shock of shocks. It would um, be a shock. It, like I would definitely have to go back to just visit one last time because it would just be too depressing to think about like not, Anyways, sorry. <laughs> Can you no. think, like, I know this is weird, but I remember a couple years ago, there was this rumor, I don't know what's real or something, that Disney may want to put their own theaters, like, just buy theaters and yeah. and to pay their movies. There was a rumor like that, yeah? I don't mistake. I believe I there to... was, but I don't I heard think something. Disney is in a position right Oh, yeah, I know. Not Disney, right now. Like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. It's like although please. although they might get bought, yeah, by Apple. <laughs> I, 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 I know I um not. I know Quentin Tarantino owns a um, movie theater somewhere. The he, does he? Movie theater he owns. Remember in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, near the end when they're going out to dinner and Margot Robbie um, asks what the lights are for, and he says, "Oh, it's a porn premiere." He owns that theater. The cinema theater that he owns. Yeah, yeah. New Beverly. Yeah, um, oh. I, I only know that because um, that's where Whitney Seibold works, and because of that, um, he, he actually couldn't um, publicly say what he felt about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that. Which then brings me also finally to Malcolm. What are your thoughts on all this? 
I mean, as someone who's literally no connection because we don't have any New Zealand oh. whatsoever. Um, <laughs> okay, well. Um, I mean, it's like this scenario is probably is going to be companies that are going to end up closing um, like because of this. And I think, um, and I think if AMC does close um, and all that, um, I think the other cinemas are probably going to jump on that chance and try to um, buy the other the locations and then that way um like they're still going to be cinemas they're not going to become like um porn shops or something like that that would be cool yeah i don't know which like i think the only cinema that has the the money to buy like amc it's regal wouldn't that become like a monopoly uh, well, I mean, yes, but like Regal also does not have the assets to buy it. Not I, right mean, now. I, I think the thing, and, and this is something that we're not talking about, is like Regal, like these other fear jeans, they're, they're also not doing splendid right well, now. Like AMC is no. doing worse, and that's because AMC you know, is bigger. You know, did a lot of, it? well, they also last year did a lot of um, like renovations in their fears, and they opened a lot of new theaters, and they were kind of. As a lot of moviers do, banking on summer movie season, which is not happening as a present time, and probably not it is going not. to happen. It's not. Yeah. So Regal, after all this, would not be in the position to do a straight. You know buy who what it? Well, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying buy. I'm not saying buy all of them. They'll probably um, buy, buy as much, some of some of the close theaters type of thing yeah. locations. Depends and on how they buy the whole brand. <laughs> that would be crazy. Um, all right, so moving on from that one, from that dour subject, and we're going to go right into a topic that I have. Yes, I came prepared with a plan. So what we're going to talk about uh, every week or so, we're going to talk about some of the best of this past decade. So we're going to kind of highlight some of the movies we think deserve to be talked about in specific categories. And right now, we're going to talk about the best cinematography of this past decade. That's right. From 2010 to 2019, not 2020, because apparently nothing else has come out in the past few weeks. So we got like what two months worth of movies. Sonic um, the Hedgehog gets some great cinematography. Talk saying it. Stop! Stop! <laughs> no! No! Jim Carrey for best supporting actor. Um. So for cinematography, I'm gonna get us all started. I'm gonna throw out a movie, and what you, uh, and then we can have the discussion upon just the idea of some of the best uh, movies of the of the decade that had the best cinematography. Um. So I want all I want. I hear y'all's opinion. Moonlight from this pat from two years ago or three, four years ago, four years ago, right? Math. Yes. 2016. Yes, yes. four years ago. And and then partner piggyback that off with La La Land, the actual winner of that year as well too, I believe. That two tour de force right there was astounding. And then you move a little bit later, two years ago, if Bill Street could talk and First Man. There's something about that combination of Barry Jenkins and um, uh, 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 Damien Chazelle. Damien Damien Chazelle. The two of them just apparently worked brilliantly, brilliantly off each other in terms of color because there is these wonderful blue hues in La- I'm sorry, blue hues and moon- moonlight and these wonderful pink purple hues in La La Land. And there's this ethereal cinematography that is used in First Man that takes my breath away. And then, you know. Um, Beale Street is this kind of very ethereal, but also very um, grounded movie uh, as well, too, in comparison to First Man, which feels very spacey. 
because it's in space. By the way, just to dovetail on that quickly, it was the same two cinematographers, so you <gasps> might as well give them the credit. Oh, well. thank you then. So, James Laxton, what was the other one again? Linus, Linus Sandgren. Sandgren, thank you. James Laxton so. and Linus Sandgren, y- y'all, y'all kill the game right now. Hi. Can I talk? Uh, oh yes, you may talk. I thought you were saying hello. No. Yes, no, please just if you have one, just jump in right now. Feel my name. Okay, let's go back to 2012. The year I graduated middle school in Mexico. Uh, middle Black school in 2012. Yeah. Wait, middle school. I graduated middle school. Mexico is three years of middle school and three years of high school. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's the same same in Canada. Really? Well, no, we do three years middle school, four years high school. Yeah. Middle school. Okay, whatever. Anyway, Uh, hey. Life of Pi. I remember watching that movie and just being blown away. It's, I believe it's it's cloudy. No, it's not cloudy, Miranda. Let me check. Who is the. What are you checking again? Yeah. Uh, Who did it? Cinematographer is yeah, it's uh, Claudio Miranda. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Life of Pie, Claudio Miranda, which it's an amazing like you know most of it is digital cinematography because I mean they're on the no, yeah the set <laughs> they're they're on the set. oh my god my sister it's is so- shouting at me. Give me a second. I was about to say, is that your name? Well, uh, Abe has been uh, uh, unplugged for the current because he's being uh, currently called right now in quarantine. Uh, I'll throw I'll throw it a couple. I think that we should have like a deacon section, so I'm gonna ignore him for the moment. I, I um, was going to wait. Right. Yeah. Oh, bye, Abe. <laughs> He's officially gone. <laughs> but uh, but so the two that I want to highlight off the top, um, I have another one from 2016 because uh, that was just a really good year. That's a really um, good year. So I'm gonna highlight Nocturnal Animals, which is Seamus McGrath. Oh yes. Beautiful look. Uh, I mean, the the movie is well appointed in and of itself, but. There's a beautifully shot movie. Um, and then the other movie I want to pick out is what I think may be the best, even though I hate to admit it because I like Deacons more than this other fellow. But um, Emmanuel Lubetsky's The Revenant from 2015. Mm. It's one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. <laughs> it is from a visual point of view. Um, and I think that and not only that, I mean, it's an achievement in and of itself, but the way that he shoots fire in that movie. Like, I don't know what it is about me and fire, but like, it's. Fire is a beautiful source of natural you know, light if done right. It really is beautifully, beautifully done. If you like fire yeah. movies, you should see 1990. I think it's 90 or 91, Ron Howard's classic Backdraft. I've okay. seen Backdraft. Uh, there you go. Talking about talking about movies featuring people running in the forests. Um, I, I think um, that Harry Potter definitely Hallows Part One and Two are both great um, cinematography wise, and also the cinematography in Jojo Rabbit, um, also featuring running yeah. in forests, um, is, is really good as well. Awesome. You yeah. like that movie? Uh, I couldn't tell. Oh, ha ha. Ha ha. Just a little bit. Both of them. I was about to say, (laughs) Harry Potter's also there. Yeah. It's interesting that you brought up uh, the Deathly Hallows one because, like, I think that the best, like, I mean, like, I think that all the David Gates movies look pretty good, but I think that the one that looks the best is um, Half Blood Prince. 
Like, I think that movie is just gorgeous. I don't Wait. see, and maybe I'm just going crazy. I've always felt like there's a weird filter on Half Blood Prince. Like it looks oh, green. Yeah, it looks like okay. the Matrix. <laughs> it looks ever since I first saw it, and the multiple rewatch are just like, it's so weird. And it's after so you green. you follow Order of the Phoenix, and then you have like, which is a beautifully shot film, and then you get Devil House Part One, as Malcolm stated, like just wonderful. And it's just like it's so weird. So yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not digging on. Do like the way that Half-Life Twins are shot, but I think with what the way Deathly Hollows was, with the most of that first half part movie just not being in Hogwarts and actually utilizing the outside world a lot more, um, I think that they used that to its advantage while they because they could do as much more with that. I do think Deathly Hallows Part 1, I think if you want us to watch a masterclass of black and gray, like, <laughs> that movie is some of the best use of just black and gray. Okay. But, but I mean, yeah. Also, I know it's not really cinematography, but the um, the way they did the um, the Ballad of the Three Brothers um, story, just the animation that was. Yeah. That, that's not cinematography, really, but. The cinematography and the animation was great, Malcolm. I'll give you that. It was cool, though. That's what. <laughs> I, cool counts for something, right? <laughs> yeah, it does, actually. Uh, and speaking of cool, there are also stuff like cool temperatures oh. because, you know, there's cool and warm temperatures. I'm trying to find a segue because I want to also talk about Hoyt Van Hoytma's uh, uh, Dunkirk. His his work in Dunkirk is sublime. It's, 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 it is, there's not much in the sense of, you know, you have inside a cockpit, you have inside on a beach, but he makes such great use of that. And the color grading they've used on that, it's the traditional, you know, teal and orange, but it works so well for what they're trying to do. And couple that with the editing and it's some of the best work, I think that, um, personally that, um, uh, Nolan has done, um, and it's a brilliant use of cinematography on film, since most of the ones yeah. that we've named so far have been cinematography. Well, well for but, me, well, well, huh. one of mine is another Nolan, which is Inception. I think that movie is incredible, and and particularly when they start to get into the more like dreamier Dream. stuff, like the hallway fight and everything. Like it's just it, that's a movie that I love to watch the behind scenes like features of before I watch the movie because it's just like it's so cool how how they were able to capture all the stuff they did in that movie. And that's also, normally, it, it goes between another movie that I'm like, might be my favorite of the decade. Well, there's kind of three that usually battle out. But um, another one is Mission Impossible Fallout. I think from an action movie standpoint, has hmm. really great cinematography. Yeah. Actually, it does, right? Paid, maybe. Um, and <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. start off the Deacons because Blade Runner 2049 is just yeah. like one of the most beautiful things ever put to celluloid and like it sucks mm -hmm. he didn't have an Oscar before that but it's also kind of great that, that was the first one he got because oh, yeah. that movie just like every the colors and just like the you go from this sort of like dark city 
to the weird like orange deserty of where Deckard is and then just even the final battle like I like just the rain and the dark and you get the lighting of just the ship like it's just that movie is it's so freaking great it's and then great. at the end with the snow it's so like bright and it kind of just goes along with the emotion of the movie, which I like when they do that with cinematography and the lighting to where it's like, it, even if you muted and you just had the visuals, you could kind of mm-hmm. tell where the story's going. You'd be like, yeah. oh, okay, this is, we're confused. Oh, no, we're really happy now. Yay. Um, yeah, I mean, my last note before I actually have to rush off, um, but um, Roger Deacon's better sort of took cinematography of the 2010s is Skyfall. I think he should have got the Oscars for that. Um, I think Blade Runner 2049 looks beautiful. Um, and that, I'm only telling that from the trailers because I'm not a big you fan of the original. I'm not a big fan of the original. I could haven't been bothered to watch the the new one. Oh, but it's well, so much gonna take your it's saying so that Skyfall was better with an asterisk considering you haven't seen the whole film. No, that's just a case of um I like I can tell from the trailer twenty four nine looks good, but I mean that's literally all it has. It's I, the I, mm. I mean if you don't encourage like the original, you that I can't convince you, but Blade Runner 2049 is a fantastic movie. I would implore you to check it out. Yes, and I will also add upon that is that it is a fantastic film on its own. On its own and of itself. Of course, Deckard did his thing in the prior one, and you have to kind of know, have a semi-knowledge. I don't love... I I don't love the original. I've seen that movie, the first one, and they followed the plot. They did? Oh, perfect. Okay. Fairly well. Okay, well there you go. I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of the original as well too. I like it a lot, but I love 2049 a lot more, and that's saying something because I think the quality of when you can go a little better than the original, then props on you. Um, but I yeah, mean, I would encourage you. Probably the biggest Harrison Ford fan here, and I might like 2049 better, and he's a supporting yeah. character and not the main lead. But yeah, okay, I'm, I might give it a go. Um, if I if I can find it somewhere, if I like it once quarantine's over, I will fly to um, America and tell you to your face. If I don't, <laughs> I yeah. that. I'm gonna add I that to the list away. of movies. You, Armageddon, Blair, you, there's so many movies back in the that you're gonna tell me about. What I've seen Armageddon. I've seen Armageddon. You know I've seen it because I've no, I'm saying movie. that's another movie you told me you were gonna do that with. That when you come to America. We're going to talk about Armageddon together because, of course, that's the only thing you could do in America. There's nothing else to do, particularly now. No, no, you can do lots of other things in America that are not have to do with Armageddon. But anyway, I'm out. <laughs> he has to go. He's going to rank him, guys. Bye bye. All right. Peace. So, um, and then okay. speaking of Deacons, uh, I was about to say. Uh, there are two things I want to do here. First, I want to note that while Blade Runner 2049 is beautiful, and it is, and it's a great movie, mm-hmm. and I'm not hating on it. It's not in my top two Roger Deakins cinematography. It might not even That's be in my fine. top three of the He's, decade. He has but so many great ones. I want to read you the. I want to read you a decade of Deakins because oh, there's no there's no other way to like exemplify this guy's majesty except to like just go through it. 
Um, so the company men, fine. True Grit, stunning. Uh, Rango, cinematography consultant. I still haven't seen that movie. Um, In Time, Skyfall, uh, Prisoners. Uh, uh, that, that's actually my favorite. Never seen it. And by the way. Um, Whoa! First off, see it and go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, watch Prisoners. That's good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, I will mail you my DVD. Uh, Sicario, awesome. Oh, so uh, Hail Caesar, Blade Runner 2049, which we already gawked over. By the way, my favorite scene in the, and my favorite thing from that movie is the the water in the um in the like uh, Tyrell building or whatever. The, oh, oh yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. But like that is just amazing. Uh, the Goldfinch, which absolutely nobody saw, and nope. then of course 1917. Wait, the Goldfinch was, is that Ryan Reynolds? The Goldfinch. No. The, 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 that's the it was uh, it was Ansel Elgort. Oh, I'm thinking of that movie with him. Oaks Eggly. <laughs> No, I'm thinking the Ryan Reynolds one where he's trying to get the uh, the painting back. Woman in Gold. Yeah, that was the one. Oh, the Woman in Gold. Okay. Because yeah, yeah. like, she, I remember because Helen Mirren got a SAG nomination Actually, for Best was. Actress yeah, for that. Helen Mirren. I was like, there was something. It was the weirdest yeah. thing. Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, so I mean, that's his decade, which is just, I mean, <laughs> so good. there are so many like all-time greats on there. It's just like it's it's like reading John Williams stuff. If you go like his filmography from the seventies and eighties, it's just like classic, classic, fantastic, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. It's just like yeah. that's the crazy thing about film, and and particularly the people who work on it, like directors and actors. It's just like the ones who are good, they just get these periods where they can just be on a roll. And this was the decade of Beacons. Like, he was just... This was his know. decade. Like, it, it's just like, even if you, which I'm not even sure if I'm on that list again, I haven't seen all movies, even if, like, let's say, which I probably wouldn't be invited back here if I watched Prisoners and didn't like it, I probably would say, even if I don't like the movie, I probably would still say it looks beautiful. You know? It's like a John Williams mm. score, like, I don't like Book Thief as a movie particularly, but I still think his score is fantastic. There. He knows what he's doing and, type of thing. And yet, he still da- he still was not the most Oscar-winningest cinematographer of, the no. year, of this that's, decade. Because that's the Oscars for, yes. That's good old, Emmanuel. Good old Chiva with his three in a row. But another start. deserving guy, I will say, who, I mean, you know. I still haven't watched Gravity, but it does look quite pretty so it's no i actually own the movie on blu-ray but i still have not, this discussion i still have not gotten around i, to watch I it. needed more but, Clooney in it but that's just because i'm a Clooney person. More Clooney. Um, <laughs> but it looks it it looks nice birdman was interesting um and then obviously as i i noted the revenant was beautiful yeah no um, and y'all know i'm not the biggest fan of the revenant but i even i can admit I like revenant. But the cinematography, though, is 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 the 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 way that they had to find a way to use the natural lighting that they did. They couldn't bring in. You know, from the cinematography level, I will it's, agree it is great. But like, I, yeah. I don't think I'll get over the Oscars. Like, Steve Jobs should have gotten Best Actor, in my opinion. I I will actually agree with that one. Like, I know. Leo matter. was fine. I can't just three, but whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's fine. We all we've had this discussion, I believe, once before. About at least, at least. At least once before. <laughs> and again, I like the revenant. Just don't love Oh, it. I don't. I'm glad. And yeah, he doesn't say it. I don't. 
so what are a couple of like your underrated picks? Okay. That don't come up as often. There is See, one this is where particular. I think I just leave out because I, I feel like all the movies I saw this decade were all really popular movies. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a smaller one possibly that you can highlight, but while you're thinking, uh, there is one, uh, I think it was Bruno Del, I can't pronounce his name, uh, Bruno Del Bonello, Bondanello, do you know Bondanello? Okay. It's, it's, it's Inside Lewin Davis. Inside Lewin mm-hmm. Davis is, is, it's, it's not, they use, how do I say this? The use of color in there, everything, it feels, it's very desaturated, but also stark. It's misty and it's hazy. How, I don't know how to properly put it into words. You you know what I'm talking about for those Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. How would you describe yeah. it? I mean, it's it really is like looking into like a sepia like world. Yes, almost. yes, but with and a little more color. Yeah, and it's a little bit more like green than like that like warm beigey color. Yes, so like it's got a. It, I don't know it. It gives you a feeling. It gives you a real vibe. It gives me a real hopeless vibe type of thing. It feels like it's yeah. slowly kind of just sucking everything, which it's a really criminally underrated film in my mind. It, it's movie, I'm sorry. I, I was looking up my letterbox to see what movies I've watched. Okay. Uh, which film are we, you guys talking about? Uh, Inside Lewin Davis from the Coen Brothers. Uh, Ooh, Oscar Isaac. in a very long time. Oscar. I liked it when it came out. I haven't seen it in a very long time. It, it, it was severely looked over. Thankfully, it got an Oscar nomination for cinematography, at least. So it got some recognition in that regard. But, man, it's it's it, it's one of those where it's no Roger Deakins in the sense of, like, Roger Deakins did it. But Bruno has his own type of, I'm going to try to pronounce his last name. Bruno has this very soft, it's very soft, the movie. It's not as starkly contrasting as the as some of the other stuff we've seen, especially with Roger Deakins' lighting. He Everything has this haze over it, and it's beautiful in my mind, and it fits perfectly with the tone of the film. And it might be the prettiest-looking Coen Brothers film. Yeah, it might be the prettiest-looking one. I mean, I would like to see. Okay, what else? What else is the prettiest? I need to remember what they've done. I mean, well, what are you defining by prettiest? It's it, it's most visually interesting and stunning, uh, at least to me personally. I don't know. True Grit does exist. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> true Grit. I'm looking at all these. I'm like, uh, true grit I'm like Hell Caesar. Okay, fine. True. Like Fargo. Uh, no, or... no country for old men is definitely the most. Yeah, I mean. I mean, from a comedic standpoint, I think Big it's, Big Lebowski is fantastic. Like what? But it's not the most beautiful. Lighting, it's it's, like. it's funny. It's awesome. But but no, again, I would say True Grit. Probably we all know Burn After Reading is the best shot. <laughs> the best shot. I've not seen that movie, but I've used that Brad Pitt. It's gift. funny. I don't know how many. Times. It's a great. It's a great gift. Um, I also found a movie that I saw. Oh, what is it? What do you want to tell us to see? see? Ryan might like it because. Cinematography, it's a lot of fire. Deep water horizon. Okay. I think. Oh, okay. yeah, wonderful sure. cinematography. Yeah. Uh and there's fire. So there is Ryan. <laughs> uh no, I think I think that movie it, it does that thing of it's one location and having to like kind of have the smaller locations within the one big one and sort of like have like a real sense of geography and particularly when the explosion happens, I like how sort of like everything gets sort of darker. And then I even like when 
when you get to the end and they get off the rig, like it's very stark when they're in the hotel room, like it's very bright and it's because you're supposed to be feeling what like Kurt Russell and Mark Wahlberg are kind of feeling that they're just like, what is even happening? Because the rest of the movie is just in like almost complete darkness for most of it. So I'm trying to, I feel out so what... like out of par when I go on the show. <laughs> no, you're doing no talking about these things. And yeah. I'm like, I saw a movie. I saw a film. <laughs> It's listen. We just don't have much to talk about at this mm. point. It's, it's it's we're trying we're trying to figure mm. out stuff to do. But also, there is one other movie um and that actually came out this past year and got you know completely overlooked. And that is Ryan. Do you know what I'm about to say? Maybe no. I, th- I think so. It came out this past year. Great use of mm-hmm. color. It was overlooked by a lot of people. We both love it. Ah uh, yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Ad Astra, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I never saw that movie. I would. You love Brad Pitt. You would really like this movie, I think. That's true, guys. I do love Brad Pitt. I you love Brad Pitt. You can hear more about that in the episode of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. When yes. I didn't know this was a podcast, but this video component, so I dressed like Cliff Booth for that entire thing. And we didn't no see reason. anything. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Uh, yeah. Ad Astra is. Oh, we, is all, we all got to enjoy it. Though, we so. got to. Yeah. Yes. We got yeah. to enjoy it. <laughs> no, uh, I probably should. Like, that's a movie. That's one of those movies that just escaped me. When did it come out again? Escaped it a lot came of out. I'm trying yeah, to remember. Yeah. It came out in September. 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 Oh, wow. See, that was when I started my new job. And so, like, I didn't really have a lot of time to go with movies because mm-hmm. it's like, it's Brad Pitt in a big, like, space science fiction film with Tommy Lee Jones. Like, Obviously, I probably should have been there like opening night, <laughs> and the fact that it I was really seen great it, in IMAX me. Yeah. really upsets me that I haven't seen it. I've never seen an IMAX movie ever. Yeah, never seen well, one. And now that I have Dolby, now that I have Dolby at my theater, I think I'm just gonna go Dolby when I want to see movies. I've not seen a Dolby film before. As long as you don't have IMAX, IMAX is better. <laughs> but whatever. I That's, see, that is a longer fight for another day. That is a longer discussion. Uh, but no, everyone, again, uh, I'm going to keep singing the praise of Ad Astra, so go see it if you can. It's you know, the color. And Hoyt Van Hoytma again. Pitt, what do you know? I hope I, I hope Brad Pitt one day sees the torch you guys carry for that film. Yeah. <laughs> that I, hope please, so. Brad. I hope. I hope. I'll Brad, that. if you're listening. Brad, if you're listening to this, they love Ad Astra on this. And, <laughs> and go listen to the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood review, because I love you oh. for that film. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll I'll just be swiping on Tinder. I'll see Brad Pitt. We'll match, and I'll say, "Hey, I loved Ad Astra." (laughs) That's actually just in your bio. That's your. That's exactly what I love. Because that's remember, that's what he's doing. He's on Tinder. That's what he said in his speech. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's better than a lot of people that say like we can be partners through the pandemic. Like the amount of those that I've had to read, like it's kind of horrifying. but to it's like, oh, go this ahead. conversation no, go in a weird way. Back to, back to topic. Um, <laughs> no. Matt El, had noted Matt had during noted the pandemic, like, right? The ability to um to shoot something nicely in like one confined location. Um, actually, two of the smaller quote unquote movies that I was going to bring up. Um, for cinematography, one of which is much better than the other, but both I like. Right. Um. The Hateful Eight and uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. I think both of those had 
very yes. nice cinematography and uh, it's different in a way, but like both used one location very nicely too, um, to tell a story. Yeah, he fully definitely. And I will definitely get on board with the with Royale. That movie was over. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, because man, I love man, I love the Royale. Also, quick throwing out there, um, uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention, uh, for better or for worse, the Tree of Life was definitely list. Um, that was uh, Terrence Malick going all out, and for this year, I I think it's ethereal and it's gorgeous. The movie itself, not a, the biggest fan of, but I appreciate what he did there. And of course, Mad Max Fury Road. That's another just. Yeah. I, 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 I not bring that up <laughs> Because it came, it came out the same year as The Revenant. And, it, you know, yeah. so it was like, oh, The Revenant. But if there was a number two that year, I would have been okay with like Mad Max because Mad Max, again, is just another breathtaking looking uh, film. I will say this from a visual standpoint, I love Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of but, where it ends. Again, it's, it's very much it's, like Bond, like Road Warrior so. is one of my favorite films of all time. And just like mm-hmm. I love Furiosa, but like Max just like sucked. It's different than the Mel like, they just like I don't I get why you have him in there because you wanted it, but I just felt like Miller could have just had to be a Furiosa film and just have references that could have led like you could even just had a passing mention of like this vigilante max that we've heard of like because they just kind of push max to the side and tom hardy's not terrible but like he's not given what gibson was given in the first two films to really make a character for himself so it's just kind of like a um um, tom hardy performance he, like he's, he's not he's doesn't he's doesn't have much to do in the movie it's it's movies and really that's the issue max, that, that's max. the issue for me max is one of my favorite characters from movies particularly from the first two films because i think like he just is such a fascinating story of just like being this cop who's just sort of like pulled down and then in road warrior it's sort of the whole story about him sort of like being by himself and then coming mm-hmm. back and it's just like again like I said, from a visual standpoint, for what you guys will learn, you listeners, Matt loves a lot of old stuff from the 80s, the 90s, and he hates newer stuff that is in relation, apparently, to that stuff. Hey, you know what? It's okay. I'm like the Doesn't same really... way, but with the 30s and the 40s. And on so... that note, I, hey, I'm... I have oh, to head no. out. You have to head out? I have to watch Knives Out, which I haven't seen yet. What? Okay, we'll go watch Daniel Craig. So there's four film. Yeah, it's Daniel Craig and it's Ryan Johnson who man, that man made one film that I really, really love. And he made another film that's in the same series from movies from the 70s and 80s that man, I did not love. Oh boy. I wonder what that is. But Looper is okay. great. Looper's great, guys. Looper is good. Looper is very good. Fantastic. It's but on that note, I'll leave you good. in the same way Max left everyone else. And so for those no one else can see that. Just I was like, gonna say. I was gonna say it's a podcast. <laughs> what am I doing? That's what I was like. You guys, you guys, you know what? You can just imagine the weird, like backwards thumbs up I just gave Ryan and Matt. Thank you guys so much for bringing me back on. I always enjoy uh, the times I've been on here. Uh, Absolutely. So yeah, I will talk. Enjoy talk knives out. I'll I'll try to. Oh. I it's mean, good. I can't say I'm gonna like it. I haven't seen it's it. Really, trailers good. look good. It, it is fun.
It, it is a lot right, of fun. Ryan. <laughs> and this is this is coming from two last Jedi haters, so it's not like we're. Oh my god, I'm among friends. You are. Yeah. I was so I had to play so PC with that because I can never tell where I am when I talk about that movie. I, I don't <laughs> hate the Last Jedi because the Rise of Skywalker now exists. So okay. no, I understand. I'll let you go. <laughs> okay, so yeah, as you all know, well, it's a tangent aside. Uh, yeah, no, the Rise of Skywalker. I I hate that movie every day. Every day, just, I get up and I'm like, man, why did what happen? What happened? It's just I got it this week though. I, oh, it did. I don't know. Really? The Steelbook looks really beautiful. It's yeah. Like, I'm debating just getting the Steelbook itself. Oh, it's. I mean, it doesn't match anything else, which is really obnoxious, but like. Kylo Ren I, in the rain looks really sexy on the front. It like, doesn't. <laughs> I love how it doesn't match anything else, but it looks good. That's it sums up the movie itself. <laughs> it doesn't match anything else, but it looks good. I don't. But no, the movie itself doesn't look good either. So, except yeah. that one, except that one sequence. But, is it the rain and one in the rain where they're fighting or the uh, oh, Star Destroyer? No, that sequence is good, actually. That's that's a very well done scene. I like that one. And movies, yeah, movie that movies. Use the word rad because you're because you're. (laughs) What? What? You're you. Next thing you're gonna do, you're gonna do swell and uh, uh, well, golly, that's rad, kids. I I do that honestly, so don't feel bad. Uh, Although I'm like the whitest guy (laughs) ever. uh, so anyway, our entire panel. <laughs> <laughs> and there were two. We had the biggest panel that we've had on the show in a while, and now we've gone back to two. To two. This is. I'm about to say this is this is poetic, but we only have one thing to talk about now, still, and that's the scores. So um, that's it. True. True. And so then I. Ryan, what are some of the best scores this past decade, man? I'm trying to like think. I know there's obviously the big one that I know we're both going to agree on as the probably the best, but let's not talk about that one. Oh, three. Aww, come three. On. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, let's okay, then we'll do it. All right, okay, ready? Three, two, one. La la land. Yep, that's the one. I think we can all agree that is the best score. Say what you about the movie. I know Ryan has different thoughts than I do. But we both can concur. This sounds like it quite a bit. Really like, awesome. Yes. The thing about La La Land, and I mean, I I did somewhat recognize this at the time, but the thing about La La Land that pissed me off were the people that love La La Land. It was like people were just like, "This is the best thing ever." I'm like, and no, I still don't think it's the best thing ever. It's just yeah. it's a movie that I can watch and like get some enjoyment out of and just feel good about life. And kind of move on, and it's it's stunning, and the music is great, and yeah. So I mean, I liked the movie at the time. It was just annoying to listen to people, and now that people aren't talking about it as much, it's not annoying. So I actually get that critique because I know the first time I saw it, I was I. It's weird. I, I've heard so much about it that year because you know that was the year of the big old Moonlight La La Land fiasco is all people could talk about, and now no, no one talks about it. It was a no. cult- literally the cultural zeitgeist of the moment. Yeah, and even less people talk about Moonlight, which is kind of depressing. Oh, but... it is. Well, you know, I think those who are obviously within our sphere talk about Moonlight still to this day. But the no, are you sure? Are you sure? 
Are you sure? I've heard some critics talk about it. Like, hey, I remember Moonlight. <laughs> I remember Moonlight. <laughs> but they okay. They say it with a lot more clout and a lot more um, uh, reverence than my casual offhand comment of saying, "I remember, I remember those days." Moonlight was a thing that happened. It was. Which again, again, I implore you all to go out and watch Moonlight again. Like that's still phenomenal, phenomenal film. Um, okay, now I'm trying to think what else score wise besides La La Land. Like really, really. Oh no. Duh. Um, this is going to sound biased and I apologize. But How to Train Your Dragon is a legit good score. That first one score is very, very good. Yep, I put the score right there. Just put the let, list everyone to list to because it's that beautiful and that pretty. That main theme... Um, uh, the da, 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 da. I still think and think of that one. And the me saying that now actually sounds really weird because no one has any reference. If you have no what it is, I'm just doing words. Um, <laughs> uh, How to Train Your Dragon is very, very good. It's probably the best animated score. It's the best animated score. I'm trying to think, is there any other big score? No. Well, I don't think it's the best animated score, but I'll, oh, I'll put it like, I'll, please. I'll probably put it in third. Third. All right, tell me the other best animated score. And I don't know. I don't know how I order the other two. though, is my problem. So like, I don't know which one I like better than the other. I might know what one of them is, but tell me what the uh, well. Tell me what they are. What do, you, what do you think the one is? Is it Kubo? No. Okay. Not a bad score, but no. I do like that score, but I'm trying to think of the other scores from this decade that they were from the same composer. One was from. Powell. Huh. This is Powell. I was trying to think of what a Powell. What has Powell done? No, um, no, 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 no. Same. The, they're this course, and I'm thinking of are not Powell, but another composer, and they're both from. The oh, same the guy. same same guy. Oh, it's Giacchino. It, or it's Giacchino or Giacchino. Giacchino. Thank you. It's it's yes. Inside Out, isn't it? That is one of the two. Yes. Wait, what's the other? What am I forgetting this year, or this decade? I keep thinking. Oh, Coco, Coco. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, 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 for those who don't know, he was playing a guitar. He I was, was, I was air guitaring it. He was air guitar against for somehow. I remember, I thought I knew that was remember me for some reason. Um, yeah, I can, I can give, I can get on board with inside out that theme in and of itself, that p quiet piano that breaks into a crescendo. It's great. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I I like the songs a lot. The the score of Coco, I can't seem to remember. I can't remember the score. And well, I don't I know mean, why. The songs are part of the score of that movie, but I'm uh, sure. So we do we do we do we consider the song, the soundtrack part of the score? Well, if it well, no. I mean, if he, if it's like Suicide Squad and they're inserting famous okay. songs, but if they're songs written for the movie and they're like endemic okay. to the movie and written by the composer of the score, then <laughs> I say that okay. they count as part of the score. Like, okay. That's how La La Land gets it too. Like, I mean, whose face wrote all of the like not the lyrics, but he wrote all the music. Justin Hurwitz. Hurwitz, yeah. Hurwitz, I believe. Only, I only, only know that because I looked it up and I was like, man, who did this? Gets a good composer, dude. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, I just, I just yeah. love both those scores. They bring me a lot of joy. A but, Inside Out. I get it. They bring you a lot of joy, possibly sadness, yeah. fear, anger. Disgusting. Uh -huh. Very funny. Um, very, very funny. 
Uh, what else but, is there? Uh, uh, well, you mentioned you got to steal it from me in the other segment. Oh, um, so I'm going to steal Dunkirk's score. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Hans Zimmer's use of the little ticking clock and the way that it all just pieces together is really quite beautiful. And I think deserves mention. That's actually a really actually good one. Another one I want to mention, uh, <laughs> no one's probably going to agree with me, but Tron Legacy. Uh, I, Legacy. Uh, that, I don't even that, remember the score from that movie. It, it is it is one I go back to. D-Rez, that soundtrack. It's it's Daft Punk's beautiful oh, yeah, dubstep electronic. Right. <laughs> it, it's, it's so strange and so weird. That movie is not great, but there is something about that movie that is infinitely rewatchable for me. And that soundtrack, along with those weird visuals, updated visuals, it's gorgeous to look at outside of, of course, the de-aging, which is... Um, but that actual Daft Punk score, man, and that's that is so crazy. I, I just I I'm I am a fan of that one, even though I know it's very selective for a few. What else? Yeah, no, that's definitely a very interesting score. It's um, very different to know what some other people be used to. Um Yeah. What else? I know Displaw's probably done something amazing. Um yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, like, um, whatchamacallit, uh, The Shape of Water was a nice score. The Shape of Water was. He also did Budapest Hotel, which is very fun. Yeah. Uh, um, may he rest in peace, but um, Ludwig Göransson for, or not Ludwig Göransson. Wait, what? But, um, Johan Johansson. Johan Johansson. I was about to say, what? When did he pass? Sorry, Ludwig Göransson filled in for him on something. Um on a project that Ludwig Gore or Johan Johansson was supposed to do before he died. Um, I know you're talking about. Anyways, uh, Johan Johansson, um, I'll highlight Sicario because that's such a, that's just a weird score mm -hmm. and was really cool. And I'm really sad that we lost him because he was very talented. He was very young too, which is yeah, only 48, which that's still really young. Arrival was good. Arrival was also a great score. The score that he uh, created. Um, what else is there? Interstellar is also a really probably one of my favorite uh, underrated Zimmer scores. Uh, yeah. The use of the organ in particular. I recommend you all go see that or listen to that. I should say. Um, yeah, it's 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 cool. Um, what else? Uh, I guess Nicholas Bertel, um, who did both um, Moonlight and Beale Street Talk, as I mentioned prior in the cinematography, those are also both yeah. excellent scores. Um, very different as well, too. One's a lot more ominous, and the other one is a bit more hopeful. So it's a good companion piece, actually. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, oh, and uh, First Man, Justin uh, Hurwitz did it again. Um, yes. Well, and if we want to have the Justin Hurwitz trifecta, like we can't totally leave the Flash out. Yeah, but That's... the thing about that movie is that it's got a lot of like not original score, so that's where I just kind of didn't mention it. But I mean, you might as well because I mean, I, regardless, that's that's still a strong three films. <laughs> to to put it lightly, <laughs> put it lightly, like man, Dan Chazelle, look at you, man. I mean, yeah. Honestly, I think his those prior two La Land and First Man could be in my top ten of the decade. Like just a possibility for me personally. 
So that's saying something. And Whiplash is like close there. That is definitely saying something. I know. Um, um, what else? I don't necessarily think it's the one of the best of the like, but I I, I want to highlight one from like a bigger movie. Um, and I thought the score for Wonder Woman was actually really good. Um, hmm. Like not you know not a game changing score, but like a really good score, and something that shone above like a lot of the like bigger blockbuster material. Mm-hmm. So speaking so. of actually blockbusters, um, I, it, it would be a shame if we didn't mention at least the Avengers, um, that theme, which has been, I guess, more of the theme in itself has been potent at least past decade since it opened the decade and now it literally closed the decade out. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't like the, you don't like the Avengers theme? It's it's fine. <gasps> you don't like it? What? What's your favorite Marvel theme? What's or my favorite know? Marvel theme? Yeah, I mean, there's only uh, like two of, of any memorable note, but. It's probably, it's a good question, actually. If we're going out of the MCU, then I think Spider-Man might be. No. Open? No. No. I don't, I'm not a big Danny Elfman fan, I'm going to be honest. At all. Like, his music doesn't really do it for me. Oh, that's actually fascinating. I did. I have not known someone who hasn't at least liked his music in some capacity. Like, I don't hate him. I just like I just am not moved. What did he do to you? What did he do? Tell us what you did to you, Ryan. Um, Marvel themes. Like I, I like Captain America's theme. Mm, um, that's the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, I really like the Black Panther theme though. Like, yeah, that was also good. Like, I, I just like the drum. Like, I like the African drums. Like, I think it's really kind of a cool, like, I, I don't like know. the drums. It, 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 it motivates me. <laughs> That's one thing I want to say for Ludwig Gordonson's music is that it's very motivating. What else has he done again? Of big well, notes? He did, he did the Creed movies. Obviously, he did The Mandalorian. Ah. <laughs> yes, he <laughs> did The Mandalorian. That's the one I know. <laughs> I'm not a big Rocky Creed fan, so that's that definitely helps. Which, well, I mean, he's done all of Brian, or Brian Johnson. I'm getting everybody mixed up this afternoon. So many names. Brian Coogler. <laughs> Any other um, ones? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, a uh, movie that I brought up in cinematography as being like kind of low-key, but like a movie that I think has a stellar score. Um, also, The Hateful Eight, Ennio Morricone. Um, I will it's a really, really cool score. Um, also, uh the uh, Skyfall's rendition of uh, of Thomas Newman's rendition of a lot of uh, the themes of James Bond is also a great action uh, theme, uh, as well yeah. as Mission Impossible. I'm trying to think of which one if I could pick one out that was the best. Score wise, that's tough. I don't know. Score wise, uh, all, kind all of- Fallout. Yeah, they all kind of similar, but there I know Fallout was, and there was there was one score in Fallout that I can't remember that I really really liked, and now it's just escaping me, and it's making me upset. <laughs> like there's a sequence, there was a sequence, making me quite upset. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I think that's all the scores that we have at the moment because right now, because Lord forbid, I I lose you now too, and it's just me talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the one anywhere. Okay. I'm just looking. I'm just looking because I want to see because we haven't mentioned him, and I find it kind of. I, I guess not surprising, but I just want to double check something. Yeah, no, I guess none of these are. I especially want to mention. 
Um, I was going to say, we haven't mentioned John Williams, and I'm just trying to, yeah. and it was making me a little bit worried. Um, but now that I look at back at it, I mean, there's nothing really that, like, Lincoln was fine, but the score is like, like, but yeah. like, I love the movie, but the score, I, eh. it was good. And it was, then, it was anything amazing. And like, while I really love some of the new themes that they were, that were interested in, introduced in Force Awakens, I just don't know that it belongs in this discussion. No, like again, I love the the I love the score for the Force Awakens the most out of the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's is it the best of the decade? No, but at least I guess it deserves some note. Um, just because you know it's it's Star Wars, it's Star Wars, so you know why not? Why not? If we have to, if we have to talk about one, I want to talk about that one. Yeah, uh, sure. Um, and I think that might be it because we were still running 142 but we had also five people on the panel so that's something yeah. <laughs> we, lost, we lost abe somehow i hope he's okay his sister came up to get him and he disappeared <laughs> abe got called and then was gone malcolm just had to go matt then had to go and i had to go for considering we're in quarantine a lot of people got stuff going on <laughs> i hope Apparently. it's at home. i hope it's at home like i guys i hope it's yeah. at home um, but anyway, I guess that leaves, you know, where can they find you since it's just us? Uh, well, you can find me sitting on my couch um, for the rest of the... Well, actually, no, I think I'm going to go for a walk tomorrow. Which is really good. I was out on a very long walk today, too. Um, it's good It's good for your health, guys. It is. It <laughs> doesn't know. mean you can't in some way, shape, or form exercise. If it means walking, running, what have you. Enjoy the outdoors. No. Um, but yeah, you can do that. You can find me at Armacon 19 wherever you want to go. Um, but I'm not really doing much online these days. It's been kind of quiet. Taking it, taking it, take it one day at a time, slowing it down. Yeah. yeah. Where can people find you? Oh, well, sir, they can find me, uh, on Twitter at Cine underscore man. That's C-I-N-E underscore M-A-N-N as well as my YouTube channel, Manning Franks. And of course you can find me here on Take 3 Productions hosting Gone with the Wind. Uh, but you know, I'm kind of waiting for quarantine to be over, waiting for this entire thing to get back to the way it was. But of course, we want to follow the rules as much as we can because you know what? Hey, the more we follow it, the easier we can to get going, or the easier it'll be for us to get back to some mm-hmm. sense of normalcy. That goes for every one of you. That's right. I'm talking to you right there who's listening. Also, shout out to my friend Megan, who uh said we did a great job. Hey Ryan, you have we have a fan who's listening. I said really enjoyed us. Hey had enjoyed what we were saying so bravo on that thank you megan and thank you guys for watching this next episode or this episode this episode episode of gone with the wind that we recorded now today tonight goodbye